associated family and friends to your next episode of AmalgaCast. I am Taryn Barber, the president of Amalgamania, and tonight I have with me the editor and two authors from an upcoming anthology entitled Slay, Stories of the Vampire Noir. This anthology is being released on October 13th for the Amazon Kindle. And a little bit about the book from the description on Amazon, it says that from immortal African deities to resistance fighters, matriarchal vampire broods to monster hunting fathers, coming of age stories to end of life stories, Slay is a groundbreaking Afrocentric vampire anthology celebrating the rich cultural heritage of the African diaspora. And when I read that description, I was absolutely floored. And I can't wait to read this anthology. And I'm so excited to have you all here with me tonight. And we're all ladies for this particular podcast, which is awesome as well. Um, ladies, introduce yourself, please, to our audience. Tell us who you are and what your role is in this project. In any order, it doesn't matter. Okay, so <laughs> my name is Nicole Gibbons-Kurtz. I am the owner and publisher for Mocha Memoirs Press, which is the publishing company that is releasing Slay, Stories of the Vampire Noir. I'm also the editor of this particular anthology. Um, I'm a writer in my own right. I write speculative mysteries um, in weird westerns. So I have like a horror, mystery, suspense vibe with my science fiction and fantasy. Um, but that's enough about me. This is really about the authors in this amazing anthology. I'll go next. Um, my name is VG Harrison. Um, I write science fiction under VG Harrison and paranormal under uh, Marcia Collette. So for the Slay Anthology, my piece is called A Message in a Vessel and it's a futuristic. Um, it's kind of about the end of the vampire world as we know it. I'm just gonna scoot it along a little faster. Um, that's pretty much about me. Um, I'm Sumiko Salson. I am a horror author, but I also write um, paranormal romance, uh, science fiction, and um, Afro-surrealism. Um, so those are my genres. Um, I have um, put out six novels, but I um, am also um, a short story author and I um, did something, um, I was the editor of something called Black Magic Women, which um, was also on Mocha Memoirs, which I'm, I'm very proud of. Um, also, I am um, a woman and I am woman identified, but I am also non-binary person and I use they, them pronouns or Z here. Thank you all so very much for that. Um, now, Nicole, where did the idea to create an anthology about Afrocentric vampires come from? It's been kicking in my head around in my head for the last couple of years. Actually, with the when L.A. Banks died, um, I remember uh, Kai Leakes, uh, who's an author in this anthology, and a few other authors were talking about would lament that there wasn't uh, didn't appear to be anyone who was writing vampire black vampire stories the way that L.A. Banks did, and kind of there was like a gap or a void after she passed. There didn't appear to be any real. <clears throat> There were people writing black vampires, but they weren't writing them in the same urban way that L.A. Banks was writing it. And so one of the things I was like, you know, it'd be great if we had an anthology of black vampire and slayer stories. And I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be really awesome if I knew a publisher who could do that? 
<laughs> um, but secondly, I thought that it should be beyond just the the African American experience, as varied as it is in the United States. I kind of wanted to open it up to the African diaspora because I wanted different stories, um, right. and that was the thing that was really important for me. It was like I want, I don't want. Um, <clears throat> Bram Stoker's Dracula, but with Black folks. I, and I wanted something a little bit different. I, I think our experiences are different. And I think that African diaspora, our experiences are always very varied. And I wanted those stories told. They don't always get a lot of attention or airtime. And so that's kind of where I was leaning um, when, I, when I came up with the open call for um, the anthology. Awesome. Now, how did you... Take, so you have this idea mm -hmm. and it lives in your head. <laughs> How do you then take that and turn it into this anthology with all of these authors? You beg people. Um, <laughs> so I had a few uh, anchor authors that I, um, I really wanted their take on the vampire mythos and just like, their stories. And so I kind of like floated it out there like, hey, what do you think, would you be interested in writing a story about X? And then I had about six or seven people who were like, yes. And then I was like, okay, so there's definitely, and of course I did my research. I looked on Amazon, didn't see a whole lot there. So I definitely went and asked around, like, what do you, do you think this would be good? <laughs> you know, would you be interested in reading something like that? And people were like, yes, absolutely. And so that kind of, it's like, okay, so there's definitely a need or a craving for it. If we're going to use vampire puns tonight, there was a, a craving for those types of stories. And this was before like Lovecraft Country was, um, was optioned by HBO and it's come out. So there seems to be, uh, one of the things that Mocha Memoirs is actually, what our mission statement is to amplify marginalized voices in speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. And so we often do like, like Samiko mentioned earlier, um, she edited a volume called Black Magic Women and it's all horror stories written by black women. And so there, we wanted to make sure, and I wanted to make sure that what we did was create something to fill those gaps, to create stories that, that aren't often told by mainstream media or are often told by other publishers, they would pass on that, right? Vampires, A, played out, B, no one cares if they're black. Like I actually had stories where the first line was, we're black vampires, but vampires don't really care about ethnicity. Uh, no. <laughs> wow. No. <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah, so I think that it's really, so for me, it was really important to have. So I also didn't accept stories from Slush that centered on antebellum or enslavement of a people or the mm -hmm. Middle Passage or any of those types of things. Oh, and I did get those. Wow. But only because I don't, we have other stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And so we have more fun stories to tell, right? Yeah, and we just yeah. have different stories to tell. And I feel like that is ground that is constantly retreaded. And I just wasn't interested in, in accepting stories like that in my, in this anthology. And so yeah. I wanted, like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to show the breadth and plethora of stories that center blackness um, in this particular mythos of, of, of vampires or slayers. Right. Right. So and that's kind right. of what I wanted. Yeah, we do have a lot of those stories. And now that I think about it, I actually majored in literature of the African diaspora uh, in college, which basically meant studying world literature. Like it came mm -hmm. from everywhere. And like you said, there's so many different stories to tell. Um, so I can see the desire to not focus on 
um, I guess the, 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 the one story of the uh, enslaved people and focus more on um, other variations of, of empowerment and just power in general and culture and things that aren't talked about as often. And uh, boy, did they deliver. They delivered. Oh, boy, did they, they deliver. <laughs> like they did. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the editor. Like, they, they really, every, everyone in this anthology brought their A game. That's incredible. Like, the more we talk about it, the more excited I get to read. I can just, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, Samiko, you talked a bit about um, writing paranormal romance. And when you said that, I actually wrote it down because I got, you know, really excited because I used to read a lot of uh, paranormal romance stories. Um, and that you've written six novels. Where can we find your work? Like, if I wanted to read your novels, where would I find you? Um, so um, my novels are self-published, uh, but you can find them at, um, on my website, uh, dot com, And um, they're also pretty much everywhere there because um, I put them out everywhere. So they're available on iTunes store for, you know, for Apple. They're available uh, for the Nook. They're available uh, in print. They're even available in hardcover. Um, so they're out in a bunch of forms. But uh, I have um, three out there that are specifically uh, Paranormal Romance, um, which is a series that starts with happiness and other diseases. Nice. Yeah. So I'm writing this down as she talks. <laughs> I think I actually wrote down the website and where I can find these because I am going to look them up. Yeah. And I, I also have a bunch of paranormal romance short stories out there. Mm -hmm. And I have um, three stories in um, Cyrogenous 2, which is an anthology that Val Joan Jeffers and um, Quentin Neal put out. So I have three stories in there that are uh, sci-fi um, paranormal not really sci-fi mm -hmm. um they're really hot and sexy and they're about uh sort of um in the future they figure out a way to clone you inside of your body with little chips and it makes another person or personality inside of you mm -hmm. and people are using these for different types of like help like administrative assistance but of course a lot of people want them for for companions right so it's, it's about a companion who is actually created from a part of this person's brain plus a computer chip that is like a holographic projection it gets really hot wow. uh, there's a threesome there's always threesomes in these things so there, there, there's a left triangle that turns into a threesome and that's I'm not going to give you any spoilers beyond that. <laughs> the premise yeah. sounds interesting. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, going on the list. I'm making a list as we talk. <laughs> what is your own um, personal, what's your favorite vampire story? Or your favorite vampire? Um, my favorite vampires. I do actually really like vampires as in L.A. Bank stories. So that definitely is their... Oh, they're very, very scary. Um, I love Anne Rice vampires and have read um, pretty much all of the Anne Rice vampire books. Um, I really like those. And I do like Bram Stoker's Dracula. I've read the book, but I like the um, movie with Gary Oldman in it. Um, 
better. I think that Gary Oldman is super hot and sexy as a vampire. Um, yeah. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, there's a yeah, lot totally of them out there. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that point. Gary Oldman, I love him in anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing actor. All right, Mar, um, I'm sorry. Your story in Slay. And then I didn't ask, does each person involved just have one story or do authors have multiple stories in the anthology? Just the one. Okay. Yeah. Your one. story mm -hmm. in Slay. Can you give us a preview of what it's about without spoilers? Just a rough... Um, kind of taste of, of what it's about. Um, you're talking to me still? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's called A Seas Whore and Delight. So um, I don't know if everybody knows this, but in um, Greco-Roman um, mythology, well, in Greek, specifically Greek mythology, there are Afro-Gresham people, and there are also Afro-Gresham gods. Um, and specifically, um, the um, god of sleep, Somnus, is described as black. So um, that's not the god in my story. The god in my story is his son, Phobator, the god of nightmares. Um, so in this love triangle, uh, a... Um, which has a vampire familiar called an impundulu. Um, and these types of vampires in the African lore are, are, are always the familiars of witches. And she decides to use her vampire to seduce um, Phobator, the god of nightmares, in order to gain favor and um, things with him. So this is all about her using her wit and wiles and her really, really hot, uh, well, so the Impundulu, and I can tell you this without any, um, you know, spoilers, is a shapeshifter that takes the shape of a bird called the lightning bird. Um, and um, its other shape is a really hot young guy, hot young South African guy who's a vampire. So um, he's hot and yeah. They're, they're, they're all hot, all hot people in this story. <laughs> I wish you could see the smile on my face right now. <laughs> and mine. <laughs> like every time I hear somebody talk about their story in the anthology, it's like, oh my God, I got to wait till when? <laughs> I, know. I know, exactly. Like I was, I, was, I was secretly hoping that there would be a preview copy that I could read. <laughs> And I am not oh, man, you should have it. You totally have asked, man. I would have totally sent you one. I will send you one after this, after this meeting. Oh, that would be so cool. I'm still going to buy some, though. <laughs> yeah, no problem. You should have just said. You, <laughs> you can review it, and then we'll be good. We'll call it even. Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. I will, I'll write a review um, and all of that. So I can't wait. <laughs> um, Marcia or BG Harrison, which one do you prefer? Uh, well... My real name is Marcia, but I go by VG Harrison in the uh, in the Slay anthology for my piece. Okay, um, so VG, then tell us about your other. Is this your first story, or have you been published before? Um, is your work present in other anthologies? Are you published anywhere else? Talk so, to us about your artistic history. 
So I started out writing as Marcia Collette and I still write as Marcia Collette. And most, like I said before, most of that stuff is paranormal. It's paranormal romance. It's urban fantasy. There are short stories. Um, I'm in the, uh, in the blood anthology as well as the grotesque anthology. And both um, those anthologies are published by Mocha Memoirs. So she has stories in those as well as her independent stories that are not in anthologies. You're going to talk about those. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Name them all. Oh, yes. So I have like one called um, The Portal Guards, which was also published by Mocha Memoirs Press. Um, oh, crap. That long title. I can't remember that. I love. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It's a paranormal. Though. It's a ghost story, sort of. It's, um, it's <laughs> you want me to say what it is? Do you oh, to... my God. Yes, please help. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it's called. Um, let me find it because I it's midnight. No, that's not right. Why is it not where it's supposed to be? Okay, so it is called. Why is it not where it's supposed to be? Okay, um, I have it here on my website. And oh, 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 I got it. The light at the end of judgment in day. day. That's and you know it's under fantasy when it should be in a paranormal romance. I will get the web guy to fix that. <laughs> I completely forgot to have a list of my books. You'd think I'd know that by now. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, so those are just some of like the books I read. Like I said, I write um, urban fantasy, paranormal romance. Um, I'm going to have a YA that's also going to be released at the end of October um, called Silent Scream. Um most of my, well, I don't even know which stuff is published and which stuff is self-published. It's kind of half and half for, for um, Marcia Collette. So I've kind of had that name for the longest time. Um, but then I decided at some point I wanted to write science fiction. So I said, okay, um, I don't really want to write it as Marcia Collette, though. I want to do something a little bit different. So that's when I came up with the name V.G. Harrison. And... Um, I, all of the stuff that I've done up until now is all self-published. Um, there's two series out there, one that's called um, uh, Project Solstice, and that's basically about aliens live among us, but they live among us as basically like shape-shifting creatures. And the gov there's like a huge government um, cover-up to keep them hidden, but my character finds out about it. Um, unfortunately, at the death of her twin brother. Um, the other story is called Viability Series, and that's about, um, that takes place kind of off in the future where human extinction is real. People have basically stopped giving birth. There may be about average of 50 births a year. And my particular character, she ends up getting pregnant with twins, which is something that has not happened in like 25 plus years. And so there's a lot more controversy that goes on with that, um, as we find out later on in the series. But her goal is just to make it to give birth to those twins and then go into hiding because the world is crazy. So and what's that one called again? That one's called, um, the, it's the Viability Series. It starts as um, viable eggs, viable fetuses, and then finally viable babies. So I, I broke it up into the trimesters. <laughs> just okay. Like, just to keep me straight, because I'll tell you, I'll <laughs> heartbeat. No, I asked because I wrote it down. I put that on my list, too. Yeah. So this is awesome. 
So this one, I am very excited about Message in a Vessel because for a while there, I was like, I was just kind of doing my own thing as VG Harrison. I'm like, you know what? You got to let her go. You've got to break free. And so then I, I was like, okay, one of these days I will get, get up enough guts to submit something because I'm thinking I'm sci-fi. Um, I read a lot of sci-fi when I was younger, but I didn't read as much as I got older because I started reading Paranormal. And so I'm like, who, there's no telling how much the sci-fi world has changed. Who in the world am I to put something out there, you know, all in the spotlight and like, like people read it and publishers read it and editors read it. And it gets scary at that point when they say, oh, that's been done before. So I said, <laughs> you know, I, I just got to bite the bullet and I got to do it. And then I saw that cover for Slay and I just fell in love. I just... <laughs> Wow. I was just like, are you, oh my gosh, that is a beautiful cover. I love it. And so yeah, it is. I said, okay, let's do this. Let's go ahead and submit one as Marcia Collette and, Mar and Smith. The other one is VG Harrison. VG Harrison got through. I was like, somebody likes me. They really like me. <laughs> And so next I said, okay, this is, this is good. I can, so I, I've broken past that barrier. Now I'm ready to like try a little bit more with VG Harrison, seeing as I've been writing and I haven't been submitting. So I've got a lot of stuff I need. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how my path started, at least with VG Harrison. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you decided to take the leap and submit it. Oh my, oh my gosh. I love you, Nicole. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> See me and Marcia go back a ways. Actually, me and Samiko go back a ways too. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I do love them. They are really great writers, and um, Samiko is a force. I tell her that all. She's just a force. Z is the force, wow. right? Just a a complete powerhouse. I adore her. Um, them. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I feel like I didn't, um, I should have said something about my paranormal romance series and I didn't. Toss it off there yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, called, it's Somnalia because it's Somnus's family and it's all about these, this just big, um, sort of melodrama with these with these uh, Greek gods. So um, the first one in it, happiness and other diseases. It all surrounds this uh, young man, uh, Flynn Kehi, and um, he's Chinese and Hawaiian, and he is bipolar. So he starts to experience a whole bunch of paranormal things, but no one really believes that anything's happening because he's mentally ill. So that uh, is kind of um, what's going on with him. And then this uh, Greek goddess, um, Charlotte is her name. She's a god chick, uh, is supposed to save him. So in order to try to save him, she gets locked up in the same mental hospital as him. And they meet in the mental hospital. And so it's sort of at first this sort of thing where she's trying to explain what's going on to him, but he doesn't really believe her because he thinks that he's just crazy. Um, and um, so that's how it starts. Uh, but then it goes into a whole bunch of other things about her and her family and Fobitor, who is the god of nightmares that's actually in 
uh, sees horror and delight. Um, so in book two, um, I introduced Fobator as a character and more about the actual entire family. And then by book three, um, since Fobator is the god of were animals, we have a whole bunch of were animals like it's a big paranormal romance with were dogs and were pigs and stuff. But um, I forgot to say, um, it, there's lots of S and M in it, especially in the first two books, because um, Flynn is someone who is really, really kinky. And part of what's going on with him is he has a whole bunch of repressed kinky fantasies, which um, you know Charlotte helps him bring out. So people like that S and M stuff a lot. And that's my rambly elevator pitch for my paranormal romance series. <laughs> oh my awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh my God. I want to read that too now. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> you guys have, you got a new reader in me. Like in the show notes for this podcast, I'll put links. Um, if you send me links uh, to where people can purchase all of these various stories, I'll put those in the official show notes um, that will appear uh, when people click on the podcast and uh, like iTunes and Google Play and all that stuff. Awesome. So we'll do. We are going to get yeah. you some tonight. <laughs> okay, we are going to go to a brief commercial break where you're going to learn about some of the other podcasts from the Epic Airways Podcast Network. Um, you'll also hear about Retro Redocopus um, from fellow Retroid Steve Van Sampson, who is the person who actually suggested this podcast to me. He asked me if I wanted to do a cast. Um, this is after he told me about the Slay Anthology and how he had submitted a story and it was in it. He said, do you want to do a cast for some of the authors? And I said, yes. Like, I don't even think he finished asking me before I said yes. Um, so shout out to Steve Van Sampson um, for suggesting this podcast and to the other Retroids in Retro Redoptivist. So we are going to be right back after this commercial break. In a world where you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, a nation of nerds unites to bring you something truly epic. Amalgamation is proud to present the Epic Airways Podcast Network, featuring great shows such as Amalgacast, Epic Tales Podcast, The Not-So-Super Dudes, Anime a la carte, Epic Tales of the Sewer, Amalgophiles, and The Fantastic Podcast. Greetings! We are the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplage. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, 
but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retro Octopus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar podcast networks, with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. And we are back with the editor and authors from the Slay Anthology. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about how the vampires in this anthology and how Afrocentric vampires in general are different from the Eurocentric vampires, different from um, the Draculas, uh, the Vlad the Imperialist, even Edward from Twilight. So Nicole, could you tell us please, um, how are vampires from the African diaspora are different from the, from the more uh, Eurocentric well, You already vampires. heard some of what Samika was saying about the different type of vampire that exists in her story. Um, so mm-hmm. the anthology is broken up into three segments, the U.S., um, uh, Africa, and then the future, which is where Message in the Best Soul lives. Um, and then there's like African stories. The stories that take place in Africa, the vampires um, don't, uh, are different in terms of what they look like, um, what parts of the mythology applies to them or are applicable, which ones are not, um, how they present themselves, their abilities, those things different or differ. The only thing that seems to be consistent across all 28 stories is blood, right? So blood is a big part of, of vampirism, and that is the, probably the only singular consistent thing across <laughs> all 28 stories. Um, so they're all very different. One of the things I love about this anthology is that you go from like L.H. Moore's uh, YA story about a sisterhood and, and coming of age, right, to um, <clears throat> like... Um, Stephen Van Sampson's story of No God But Hunger, which is incredibly action-packed, but very, I mean, they're monsters. You go from like this vampire um, girlhood coming of age story to flat out horrific monstrous vampires to uh, so and everything in between so you have things like jeff carroll's uh the return of the ov where it's a vampire that was you know uh, alive and active in in harlem in the 1920s uh misbehaves gets punished for it with his with his fraternity his greek fraternity <laughs> and then wakes up 80 years later. So so you have like all of these very different stories. KRS McIntyre's story mm-hmm. is about family. The woman, the very first line is, I saw my husband in the airport 20 years after he died. And so what impact does having your loved one turned have on you as an individual and your family? Right. And so that there are lots of, there are a couple of other stories about family and vampires um, in the anthology as well. Um, just a lot like um, Samantha Bryant's story, um, My Destroyer, um, is, is, uh, a, is based on the 10 plagues of Egypt. But as wow. told to her, it was a story she grew up, she's Jewish, she grew up with this story of the, of, of the, you know, the 10th plague, which is the angel of death, uh, being his destroyer, not called the angel of death, but being God's destroyer and going through Egypt and smiting, right? Um, these, yeah. you know, all the firstborn of Egypt. 
males and if they didn't right so there's and again blood plays a role here because if the blood isn't on the door mm -hmm. right the destroyer is coming in and so that tied right. directly with her um with her what she was raised to believe and in, in, in what she was told as tired it freaked her out she says and so it, it's, <laughs> it's such a harrowing story that i i tell people you know slay is a great anthology but it and even though it has like a couple of like ya kind of stories don't give it to kids under 18 because it is super violent in places because mm. vampires are very monstrous in other places in other places not so we it's it runs the gambit it really does yeah. from like pg-13 all the way up to like a really hard r and so yeah <laughs> vampires are very different like i said the I, every story has a different take on them and the ones from the african diaspora like a miranda j riley story rampage the vampire is an elephant wow that's interesting mm -hmm. yeah and i, I was just wondering because you, you know you have the common tropes like um no garlic no sunlight you know holy water you know melt your skin and then all that so i was wondering um how different uh, these vampires are and it sounds like that like even like you said amongst the vampires in these stories there's not um, a lot of commonalities even between them besides the blood which is mm -hmm. uh, fascinating because you really get away from those from the stereotypical representation of a vampire um, and you spoke about uh, one of the stories that revolves around family and what it does to the family when somebody else is turned and I don't think I've ever read a story from that perspective you know usually you have the vampire who uh, is bemoaning the fact that everyone he or she knows and loves will um, eventually die, that they'll watch everyone around them get old, but not from the perspective of somebody who is going to grow older and has to watch somebody else um, remain immortal, if that's the type of vampire. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stories. I think I picked, of the 28 of them, there's like five stories that center on family. They're all very different. Like, mm -hmm. um, there's that one by Karis McIntyre, but there's another one where it's two sisters and one ends up being the slayer and the other one is the vampire. And they're wow. kind of torn apart by family secrets and deceit. And mm -hmm. what does it mean when your family isn't forthcoming? What does it mean when you're growing up and you're already predetermined to have this track and you really don't have any free will? And right. so uh, there are lots of stories that... Um, <sighs> for me go beyond the typical we do have those stories that are just like kick-ass vampire stories mm -hmm. um but there are a lot of other stories that kind of linger and that was the thing for me people ask me like nicole how did you pick your stories from slush i'm like the ones that had the greatest impact for me mm -hmm. uh, emotional impact for me the ones yeah. that linger after i close the document um steven and van Patten's um the retiree makes me cry Wow. Um, every time I read it because it's, it's a daddy daughter story mm -hmm. and I ball like, I'm a daddy's girl and I ball like a baby every time I finish it wow mm -hmm. that's awesome <laughs> and of course there's <laughs> some that so you they're like people like it's a vampire anthology it's horror it is and it's also it's like very much like Stephen King's work it's not just about you know, the horror that is flashy and bloody. It's also about the horror of living in these conditions, yeah. or the horror of these situations. And so a lot of the stories in Slay are like that. They're about that lingering horror about ordinary people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of like, for me, emotional and gut-wrenching about some of the stories in Slay. It's like, wow, 
Yeah, it sounds like very uh, personalized vampires, mm -hmm. you know, aside from uh, the typecast vampire image. Almost um, vampires with a level of humanity or human characteristics. Mm -hmm. But I think African-Americans are like that, though. Like, I yeah. think we are often very much placed in a part where we, things are, are a little more have more depth for us because they're more impactful for us like we don't have that privilege to just skate on the ice we have to be prepared to fall in and so i think a lot of the stories are like that they are deep thinking uh texts but they also come from a place of being othered to a point where mm -hmm. we can actually identify and kind of humanize uh, vampires or, or slayers in this way because we are also othered and so i think that this anthology, that's one of the things that makes it different, I think, um, right. from other anthologies that may focus vampires. And, and it took, not all the authors are not African-American, um, five of them are not, um, but they mm -hmm. had to center blackness, right? It had to be able right. to do that. And if you, I know um, Cynthia Ward and E.C. Shaw talked about writing the other often, but you have to be able to bring some level of humanity. And, and, and I tell people all the time, you can write diverse characters. You don't have to be African-American to write African-American characters. However, you do have to be bring that humanity to them and make them a full round character. Now you kind of sidestep right. stereotypes. You still need a sensitivity reader for the other stuff. But I definitely <laughs> think that, um, and I did, I had a lot of uh, non-Black writers send stories and immediately it was like, my, she had licorice, chocolate skin, nope. <laughs> One literally said I we are Black that. vampires. Like they literally <laughs> said we are Black vampires. That's what I was like. Oh, oh, okay. So, no. Um, and so they and and um, Miranda actually talked to me about it a lot because she was like, I realized I was at a convention and I was talking about not using food products to describe people of color, um, only because mm -hmm. you don't use food products to describe white folks. And she right. said, <gasps> she and she told me later. She goes, I went back home and I rewrote my story for Slay because I was like. I am not in the right headspace. And she said, your comment made me put myself in the right headspace. <laughs> and so she's, she said, she's a completely different story. I ripped it all apart. And yeah. So you I know I did that, right? <laughs> you know I did that. I have all the food products in my first paragraph right here. I know. All the food products right there. <laughs> yep. I did that thing. Yes, but, I did it on purpose too. It so, and see, yes, because yours is about a delectable delight. And so <laughs> it kind of made sense to me in that context, right? That this is something that's a treat, right? Something that's a meal that's delicious, right? So I kind of understood that. Samika <laughs> was like, okay. Um, but some, it's the phrasing, the way things people put things. I'm like, yeah, you're not in the right headspace to write this character. You're still othering them yeah. as opposed to humanizing them and seeing them for, you know, as a full rounded character versus a flat stereotype. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I was wondering, uh, Sumiko and VG Harrison, if you'd be willing to read us an excerpt from your story. Yeah. That's awesome. Your favorite uh, passage from the story. We'll start with Sumiko and then go to VG. So you can give us background if you want. Um, you can do a cold read if you want to, however you prefer. It's up to you. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start from the top. 
Um, and I will give you a little background. I put all the food in there because I actually was reading a conversation about uh, why, uh, in, and I'm, I'm black, I am biracial, but I am black, um, why people shouldn't do that. But um, in this particular passage, I'm talking about how this creature is constantly starving. He's hungry all the time. And that's why I put all the food in there. Yeah. So all the foods are in there. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't think I need to give you background other than that because I'm starting from the top. Okay. Um, it's called A Sea's Horror and Delight. The Impundulu and the Witch. I don't think a mere vampire can best the god of nightmares, a seaside, furrowing well-manicured brows over piercing yellow eyes fringed by a charcoal smudge of eyelashes. Currently in his humanoid form, the South African vampire was of the bloodsucker type known as Impundulu. The Impendulu or lightning bird was a vampiric familiar, a shapeshifter who often appeared as a blood drinking bird. Ari, uh, a sea, a sea in human form appeared as a comely young man in his mid twenties. In truth, he was more than 520. Jet black curls hung over his bare honey tinged chocolate shoulders. A velvet smile sweetly twisted his cocoa lips. Asi was hungry, always hungry, both in humanoid and avian form. The vampire was hauntingly beautiful and his bloodlust never satisfied. This is not a contest of might, nor of wit and will, Azamora, Asi's mistress in mortal bond, purred. It is a contest of the sort, of which my lovely Asi could most readily win. Asi, whose eyes melt both hearts and loins. Asi, whose gentle touches seduce, whose sharp teeth cut, and blooded mouth does greedily suckle, whose alluring features and succulent aroma bring delight to your victims, even as you bleed them dry. You would compete for the heart of Phobator, god of nightmares, and perhaps, if that is one, gain keys to his kingdom. Gods are not easily deceived, Asi protested. You ask me to compete when you know I may lose. A vampire is no god. This will end in my destruction, foolhardy mortal. Even so, Asi must do Azimora's bidding. Fear not, Asi. I am well informed on these matters. As for you, but listen and learn, Azimora said. She, a young African witch, was curled up on a burgundy satin settee with an illustrated book of Grecian lore in her hands. Each of her long coffee fingers was tipped by sharply filed nails and coated in rhinestone studded cherry wine polish. She pointed to a jet black bird, eyes like burning coals, a blood red tuft spilling from the crest of its head. Like you, he is a shapeshifter, she said. Perhaps I can drink him dry in his avian form, Asi queried, rolling his head up against Azamora's neck thirstily, nuzzling at the nape, begging for blood. I could become a lightning bird, hmm? Crack open his little raven neck like a top on a soda can. An irritated Azamora brushed Asi away impatiently. Okay. 
There you go. All the foods. <laughs> that was so lyrical. <laughs> it was like listening to a song spoken. Like I closed my eyes while listening to you. Um, because it, oh, it was like, wait, it's kind of hard to describe it. Is there an audio version of this book? Um, I actually did a complete audio for another podcaster um, who didn't use the whole um, audio. Um, uh, and I have the whole audio recorded and would be happy to send it to you. Um, yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah just, I, I, I didn't listen the whole thing. Yeah. Right. So for um, rights purposes, I have like a year exclusivity, so they're not supposed to record the entire thing and put it out there in the ether, um, but she can definitely uh -huh. share it with you. Um, if you. Okay, and I was wondering about the, the book as a whole, just because <laughs> listening to her reader was incredible in itself. So I was wondering like if there was an audio version that would be coming out that people there could buy. There is not. I have no plans for audio versions right now, but I definitely um, want them to be able to have the stories back after a year and they can do with them as they please. Yep. Right. But no, okay. no, no audio. <laughs> can you imagine? It's already 458 pages. <laughs> an audio would be like... And here are the 28 hours of slay stories from the Vampire Noir. I don't know. I, think I used to get audiobooks from the library. So I'm thinking about those like CD cases where you open them up and there's like 20 of them and you go through the story. That's probably what this would be yes. like. But I don't care. I would still listen to it. I'm glad Thank Nicole so said I can Nico. send it to you because I overstepped there. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, thank you so much for reading that portion of it. It sounds incredible. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna start from the beginning of mine. Um, I love, I, well, I'm probably one of the few people who like to make sure all this background is in there. Not a lot of background, but just to kind of set the mood. I am nowhere near as smooth as Sumo goes. <laughs> I don't think anyone is, it's okay. She's good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Nobody knew how the disease-carrying mosquito of the world would affect us. 30 years later and a food shortage to boot, and we knew we'd pay the price. Authorities harvested those in prison and on the streets, the ones who wouldn't be missed. Then they went to any older, anyone older than 65. The younger you were, the more protected you were. You were like me who had parents who could teach you a valuable trade then you'd survive the cleansing area. I'm sorry, the cleansing era. I sat back in my seat and breathed in a deep breath. Even though we healed better and ate slower, stress was still a part of our lives. You look like you need a break, Dr. Jaconde. Cora walked in with her high, with her tight pencil skirt, keeping her that kept her thighs taped together. She kept her head held high while confidence leaked from her pores. She placed a food cart on my lab table. You've been neglecting your allotted daily nourishment. I'm fine, I growled. My growling stomach probably gave me away. This project means nothing unless you eat. She placed one of the bright red fingernails on the nourishment card and pushed it to me. I'm a little busy right now. I'll go in a minute, just let me finish this. I turned back to the computer to review my bioinformatics collection program my team had been working on for the last year and a half. I understand the nature of your work, doctor, but protocols are in place. If you don't eat now, I must report you. 
I hated this woman. Unfortunately, I would also give anything to be off this project permanently too. A food break wasn't long enough. Dr. Jaconde, she leaned close. Please do not force me to get security to escort you. Son of a... I slammed my hand down on the counter and shoved my chair away from the desk. Are you going to lick my lips clean while you're at it? She said nothing. She lifted her head high as though protocols dictated everything right down to her cold-hearted determination to make sure I followed the rules. Every click of her heels on the marbled floor made me want to reach back and break her neck. Security would be down on me so fast and probably stab me with enough silver knives to make sure I could only work from the neck up. This project only needed my brain. I flashed my hand across the keypad and pressed the cafeteria icon. A flashing arrow directed me toward my de designated elevator. When I entered, I went to the back and waited as more people entered behind me. The view from the moon never got old. The red giant space shuttle was the tallest spaceship in the solar system and could carry a payload of more than half a million pounds. Because of the engine thrust, it had to launch from the, from the moon and far enough away not to kill anyone. Our base was built miles away from the project to make sure the space program met our needs, including our dietary ones. The ship didn't look like much on the surface, but it packed a technological punch. It had the ability to orbit a planet long enough to use the gravitational kinetic energy to power the light speed engines for multiple jumps from one solar system to another. Everyone dreamed to find an inhabited planet out there, but for a few like myself, it was a worse nightmare. We couldn't pack up Earth and hope to find food out there, so the plan was to bring food to us. My team's part was the most devious of all. We would use the scanners to probe, the, probe a planet with inhabitants who were a close DNA match to humans and then stick a flag in the star map. If they were capable of interstellar space travel like we were, then great, come find us. If they weren't, then they would become adopted into phase two of our mission. We conquered them using the neutron starship that was twice as big as the Red Dwarf and only a few years out from launch. That's it. I disagree. That was beautifully read. Thank you. So you are definitely smooth. And the slam made me jump a little bit. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you yeah, too. Very, very effective. You too. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, getting into it. I didn't know we were getting a dramatic reading. <laughs> Thank you both so much for those readings. Um, so to our audience, you have heard about this book. You've heard about the amazing diversity in the stories. You've listened to passages. So why isn't this book on your list yet? <laughs> it's not. Um, as a giveaway, we are giving away um, two copies of Slay after its release in October. We're giving away um, two digital copies on the Amazon Kindle for our listeners. You can enter to win. Um, all you have to do is comment. Tell us about your favorite vampire story and tell us why you would love to read Slay. Um, this podcast, in addition to being on um, iTunes and Google Play Music um, and Spotify, is going to be posted in both Amalgamania and Retro Redoctivist. So you can comment on um, the post in either one of those groups on Facebook when it's posted. And if we have participants from both groups, we'll pick a winner from um, each group. Um, winners will be chosen at random, 
So don't stress yourself out about, you know, how you write and how you explain yourself. Totally random. We just want to know what your favorite vampire stories are and why you're interested in reading this particular anthology. Hey, we are drawing to a close now. Do any of you have any final remarks? Anything you want to plug? Um, anything we should be looking out for? Any future projects? Um, anything at all? Um, yeah, I'm working on a fourth book for the um, for this um, series that I told you about, oh, nice. the Paranormal Romance. So I'm working on a fourth one. Um, and I already told Nicole I was sending it to her, so hopefully... <laughs> it'll get accepted but i'm working on a fourth one for that yeah awesome. it's called akmani nice i'll be looking forward to that one too so um mocha memoirs is releasing actually the week before slay a zombie <clears throat> novel called alice by alidria hurt um it features a um african-american protagonist so if you want it it's actually it's actually zombie post-apocalyptic and with a slice of <laughs> Lovecraft in it. Um, but that is coming out October 6th. It's a week. It's the Tuesday before Slay. Um, so those, if you're interested in horror and you want um, all those very diverse things, it's a fantastic story. Um, you should check it out. Will that be on uh, the Amazon Kindle as well? It will. And actually, Slay will be available in paperback and hardcover uh, as well. Amazon doesn't allow you to pre-order those, um, which okay. is why they're not up there. But they, as of October 13th, those items will be available. Oh, awesome. Okay, perfect. And I'm working on, well, actually, just before getting on the podcast, um, I was working on my, my next VG Harrison submission package to Nicole. Um, so hopefully... I will get that done tonight. Um, this book is called An Engine in the Sky, and it has to do with interdimensional space travel and what happens when we get on a different Earth that's a little bit different from this one. And once again, I can't do it without crazy people in it. So I had fun writing this one. <laughs> <laughs> I look like forward to that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all so very much for joining me tonight. Um, exciting podcast. Again, I can't wait to read the stories. Um, I can't wait to promote them. We are doing a second show after the release of the anthology in October. We'll have a second set of authors um, and we'll talk uh, more about the different stories that the authors wrote. And I'll also be able to add more input um, from a reviewing standpoint about the anthology as well. So that'll be released in October, um, probably the week before Halloween, if not the week of Halloween, which uh, is perfect timing for that. Um, so thank you to our listeners. Thank you to the Amount of Maniacs and the Retroids and Weaves from Anime Universe, all of our associated family and friends. This has been another episode of Amalgam Cast. Don't forget to participate in the contest um, and look forward to our next podcast. Thank you so much and have a great night.